0: Broadcasting live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette, yeah. two hours of sports talk like none other. Footnotes with your host Kevin Foot.
1: Welcome into Footnotes, Kevin Foot on the game. Broadcasting live from the EFCO Development Studios in Upper Lafayette. EFCO Development is a civil construction company that specializes in new multi-family construction. The game hotline is 706-0111, 706-0111. If you would like to get in, the first hour is the time to do it. We'll be talking lots of softball in the 10 o'clock hour, kind of the subject of the weekend and the week. um, But we'll be talking a lot of other things in the first hour. So if you would like to call in about baseball or the NBA playoffs and whatever else, there's one huge mega story that we have not touched on that I hope to get to this hour um, as well. So, again, if you would like to call in, the first hour is the, the time to do it, 706-0111. All right, so my question right now, I like to try to figure out what we're watching. Uh, first of all, I like, you know, my, my question is how good – were, well, you have to say were now because the series is over, were the Los Angeles Lakers. Like, how good are they right now? How good, when I say right now, I mean like in the last round or two of the playoffs. Because that was a pretty good performance last night. Like, we're asking, we were talking about it yesterday, like, what incentive do you have when you're down 3-0? Well, they played pretty well. And the truth of the matter is the Lakers could have won three of the four games. Look, I've been talking about how good Denver is. Everyone that I listen nationally who follows the NBA way, way, way more than I do is talking about how great the Denver Nuggets are. They're the best team, and I don't don't disagree. We've been saying the same thing. But the bottom line is – they they could easily have lost three of these four games. And they didn't exactly blow out the Lakers in any of these games. So how good are the Lakers? And I'm saying that in the context of we all have this idea that the Nuggets are way ahead of everyone. Well, they're not way ahead of the Lakers. Like if the Lakers were a little younger, and I'm going to get to LeBron in a second. I didn't like what LeBron said last night. I don't know. It just I didn't like what he said. But... I mean, the Heat are a kind of a well all machine right now. Their games have not been close. They've been extinguishing people. So are the Lakers that much better than the
2: Celtics? I love the way that you think about sports. Like, I don't know if you might be the only sports radio talk show host in the country that came in today and was like, Denver might not be that good, even though they just swept the Lakers four to nothing. No,
1: and I think they
2: are good. I'm just, no, yeah, I get what you're I'm saying. I'm trying too. to figure
1: out, like, they have barely won all these games, have they not? Like the I don't Lakers could have won. won. The only reason the the Nuggets won these games is because LeBron
2: is useless offensively in the fourth quarter, <laughs> and well, Jokic is not. Anthony Davis also doesn't show up all the time. I mean, look, if the game one was in hand, and then it ma- it was made close late. That's they could have won, right? Right, but I mean, it's. it's what, what, what I'm saying is that we're won. all acting
1: like I, I'm trying to figure out: Are the Nuggets really that much better? Are they playing at a higher level than the Heat are right now? Because they, the because the Lakers, I think, are pretty good, but I didn't think they were really good. I think they've done a good job of getting to the fi- to the conference finals, and they've played well. I thought they represented themselves. I think they did what they could do for who they are. They went as far as they could go. Now you could say, well, they could have won two of these games or three of these games. Sure, that certainly. But I think the Nuggets are better than them. But. The heat is just destroying the Celtics. So why, why, why are they? Why are the Nuggets head and shoulder above a team? Are the
2: Lakers really that much better than the? No, than yeah. The I mean, I, I don't think the Cel- I don't think Denver would be head and shoulders above Miami. I think they're better. Um, but I think it would be a competitive series. I think Miami's shown you that they're going to compete with anybody. I think the lack of competitiveness shows you maybe a little more about where Boston is right now mentally than where. Miami is and that's as well.
1: fair I'm saying if we didn't know any better like if if the Miami Heat were the number one seed and playing like they did throughout the playoffs yeah. forget about the you, regular you would season definitely have different if the Miami Heat were the number one seed and they have been crushing everybody like they have. What would we be saying about this matchup between the Heat and Nuggets?
2: That's a very good way to put it. I think it'd be much more evenly thought of, which again, I still think it's a fairly intriguing, you know, I'd go 60, 40 Denver, maybe a little more than that. But yeah, I think that would certainly, which again, that's why these ridiculous metrics still said Boston had a 65% chance to win the series when they were down two zero and all this, like, cause they used too much of the regular season. I've, I think I've made that point a couple of times. Like, the NBA, more so than anything, because of how long the playoffs are and how many games are in every series, like, it is its own season. And, like, you can use maybe the tail end of the regular season, but, like, this is now what this is. And, again, Miami was a game away from being eliminated in just incredible. tournament.
1: Now, the other thing, to your point, is maybe in my – and, again, I'm not making emphatic statements here. I'm trying to figure this out. So – Maybe what I'm missing is that the Celtics are just that mentally weak. We all already know how unstable they are because you just have to look at the uniforms that they wear. And so, the you know, they wore their those embarrassing uniforms, just embarrassing, But, um, which is a sign. I call them sign of instability uniforms. That, that, that's what they are. That's what they wore. But maybe they're just that mentally weak in that they just – you know, they basically just mailed it in or their, their coaching is that, I mean, I'm not trying to drill this young coach. I'm just saying their overall product of team togetherness and coaching and the communication between the players and the players and the coach and the players is at a way lower level than any of these final four teams. And that's why what has happened has happened.
2: That's possible. Well, that would make your day a lot better. Right. But I think in game three, they definitely mailed it. I mean, there's no doubt about it. Like you're at home in a must win game and you, and you got absolutely dominated. Like I, that can only happen in my opinion if you let it happen. Like with the amount of talent Boston has on their home court in a must win or excuse me, in Miami in game three. Right. Uh but in a must win game, you you got completely dominated and it wasn't even a competitive it wasn't even like remotely competitive. It wasn't like this was a you know 10-point game throughout, and then they pulled away late like this was. This game wasn't even remotely competitive, and you were in a must-win situation, and you're supposed to have the best roster in the conference. To me, the only way that happens is a lack of mental focus. Like That's the only possible explanation.
1: I was talking with Michelle last night, who lived in Denver and, and from Colorado, and she was, well, of course there are, but I, I was thinking, because you know, I think like a fan— And so I wonder how many people my age or older or around my age have been lifelong Denver Nugget fans. Like they've been rooting for the Nuggets since David Thompson played there in the seventies, you know, or even longer. And they've, in other words, they've, all these years you know they've been behind everyone <laughs> the lakers have had their runs and you know the rockets had their time and you know the the supersonics have made the finals and the blazers and the suns and all these teams have made the finals think about it if you've been a fan for 45 50 55 years i wonder how many of them there are because it's such a bandwagon society there ain't there's not too many People who stick with a team for that. But there has to be, I I mean, I have no idea what the number is. There has to be some, obviously, who have been pulling for the Denver Nuggets for 50 years. And they've never done this.
2: Ever. Well, that's, I mean, there's a lot of Saints fans that felt that way in 09. Right. I mean, a lot that I know personally. Of course, I wasn't as old to, to be, you know, in it as long as some of them were, but... Uh, it's, you got to just appreciate It's that. a comparable situation, I would say, to, to what the Saints did uh, what Denver's going through here. Now, the other interesting thing is, is as Denver had—now, I don't know how many people even—that's another thing, too. I'd be interested to see how Denver fans feel about Carmelo Anthony um, because he had a bit of an era there right at the beginning. Um, but his retirement yesterday was probably something interesting to look back for Denver fans that remember that time. And that was a time of of promise probably for a few years there that never really turned into much. In the postseason, and for it to be now, I saw a silly debate going on about number fifteen and Jokic and, and Carmelo Anthony, um, and a lot of people taking Carmelo Anthony's side of that debate, which like Jokic has already accomplished like three times as much as Carmelo did in Denver. But anyway, that that whole thing was interesting for me to look at as well
1: because most of the look that's Bronco. I mean, the Broncos dominate that whole area from in terms of sports and I'm sure that there's some baseball fans the Rockies have probably created a little bit of a niche but I mean the Rockies are not this you know so I'm sure there are some but I don't know I wonder how many but but again I'm I, I felt for those because for those fans and I don't know any of them but um has to be some in that area who have been lifelong <laughs> nugget fans and for them to To have finally done it had to feel good. All right. I, I, You know, LeBron, you know, if he wants to come out and say, I don't know what his future is, that's fine. That's what he should say right now. I don't think LeBron's going anywhere. What is he looking at? 40-something, almost 50-something million next year. Is he really going to say no to that? I don't believe that. So, But I think that is fine. I mean, say what you want to say about what you're – He's not supposed to know right now what he's going to do next year. It was the night after their season ended. What I didn't like that he said was, you know, he's been to the conference finals before. Like, I don't know his exact words, but it was like, this is like, you know, chump change to me. Like, what, you know, this is beneath me. losing. First of all, you ain't made the playoffs in what, three of the last five years? I mean, don't act like something's beneath you. Plus, because, in, obviously, he's a great player. He's one of the greatest athletes of all time. Well, first of all, the reason why you ain't in the finals and, and you had to settle for this conference final you know, loss, which is beneath you apparently – even though you ain't made the playoffs three of the last five years, it's because you stink in the fourth quarter. You can't shoot because you're old, which is not bad. But, like, don't look down on this accomplishment. I just didn't like the way he said that. And the other thing is, the other thing is it just shows you the difference between basketball and, some, and the other sports that we follow. Like, he is a great player who's had an incredible career. And so somehow because in basketball you only have 5 players and a great player can make a bigger impact and he can have more of a say so on how far his team goes because there's only 5 players on the floor. And so it's almost like, you know, he's entitled. I mean, look, he's made it to to the finals so many times, just the idea that he's going to minimize a team who stunk most of the year, that made a run, made some good moves, and got to the conference final, which is more than what most people thought. To minimize that, I don't know. I just thought it showed an entitlement that it just turned me off. And, again, I'm not – I am um, not pro-LeBron or anti-LeBron. I'm Like, some people hate LeBron, and some people love him. I'm kind of in the middle. I – I end up taking up more for him because the old school Jordan is the greatest player ever, and it's the end of discussion. And the people that think that Jordan six and zero is better than six and six, I will never understand that mentality. Again, that's more entitlement. I, I don't, I don't like that. So I end up taking up for LeBron against in the at least. Not necessarily saying he's better than Jordan, but taking up for the LeBron side and not just totally going, oh, the Jordan's the greatest player ever and all I And I hate that argument anyway. You know that. But I don't know. I really did not like what LeBron said last night. And again, I'm not anti-LeBron. He's playing for the team that I hope would win. But the reason why they lost is because he can't make a shot in the fourth quarter because he wears down and he's old, which is... Fine. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that, but don't belittle the team's accomplishment like you're some, like you just deserve. You're entitled to be in the finals because you're one of the greatest players ever. That was awful. That was awful.
0: All right. We'll
1: take a timeout and be back.
0: This is Footnotes on the Game 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Why doesn't Kevin Foote talk more basketball? Because it's in the best interest for his health not to discuss basketball. I had to give up
1: basketball to save my life. I cannot take basketball. It's way too subjective.
0: More footnotes coming up on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station.
1: Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game. The game hotline is 706-0111. 706-0111. On this Tuesday, one thing I'll say. Did you see, I don't know, did you stay up and watch the game last night? I didn't see the end of it. I saw parts here and there, but... Some of the three pointers that Jokic hit were just, they were like laughable. Like he wasn't even looking at the goal. Like, what are you, what was that? Like, how do you make those shots? Like, every once in a while. But I mean, he made them look like, like he really thought they were going to go in when, when, when he shot them. Like, and he was off balance. And one of them, he wasn't even really, he wasn't even close to squared up to the goal. Um, there I was. Now Murray did not have a great game. He was 0 for 4 from three-point land. Still scored 25 points. I mean, you can score and not shoot great. Um one thing I I do want to say you have to put historical feats into perspective. Now, I'm not saying he 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 hasn't been great cuz he has. But Jokic his three-pointer his triple-doubles that he got He's now played the exact same amount of games that Wilt did when he broke the record. So he broke it. It's just that anything he does above and beyond, you can't totally compare apples to apples with um, with Wilt because they have now at this point, in fact, when I went to look it up to make sure, I, I just almost assumed that he had already played more games than Wilt did in that 66-67 season, but but they've actually played the exact same amount of games going into the finals because, you know, there were fewer. They didn't play all these best of sevens back then was what I was thinking, and they didn't. I mean, but, but still, because the Denver has not, you know, didn't go seven games and all, they've actually played the same amount of, of playoff games going in, into this. All right, let's go to the game hotline. Hello.
3: Kevin, yes, sir. Did you watch the game?
1: I watched a little bit of it, not a
3: lot. Watch a little bit of it. You watched any of the series prior to the game? What do you, did I watch? What did you watch? Any of the series prior to the last, last game? Again, I saw
1: little bits and pieces here and there in a between bits work and, and, and all that. You yeah.
3: see. that's why I mean you can't talk about some things when it comes to basketball. Talk about what?
1: Like, I, I, th- did they play well? Yeah, could could they have? One, yeah. The reason why they lost is LeBron is too old and he can't give it what he used to give offensively in the, the fourth quarter. He missed lost too many is shots.
3: too old. That not even make sense, Kevin. That ain't why we lost. No, you lost old. because LeBron everybody can't everybody score everybody in everybody the fourth old, quarter. We had third in the first half, then we lose. he too old. He ain't too old. We didn't, he didn't get enough help. That's why he lost. No,
1: they lost because. He has to score in the fourth quarter because he's one of their two best players, and he can't score in the fourth quarter. He's too he old. He can
3: score if he get help, Kevin, and somebody else come to the party. That we have to burn so much energy. If he saves some of that am saying energy for the fourth quarter, he can score in the fourth quarter, Kevin. It's about delays and what you have left in the tank later. I don't mean just because they got young guys that can't do that because they burn out in the fourth quarter. He's, he's too old when to When LeBron to carry the load was to younger, aim. that's the he, problem.
1: When LeBron was younger, he could play all those minutes and still get it done in the fourth quarter. At his age right now, he can't play all these minutes and still get it done in the fourth quarter. That's what exactly. I'm saying. That's my
3: point. He, right. I mean, We're agreeing. Help. So I do not mean it's because he, he. everybody knows he's old, but that's not why they lost. You said that's why they lost. That's not why they lost. If
1: I think so if LeBron James was 10 years younger, they might be winning this series.
3: Just because Kevin. he would score better in the fourth quarter. Yeah, Kevin, but that's the game is not all about scoring. Could we stop Denver last night, Kevin? No. And we stopped Denver all series in this series, Kevin? No. Yeah, but they were but hitting crazy shots. You can, score. You shots can, you can score all you want, but if you can't stop them, you're not going to beat them. I mean, did they play great
1: defense? No, but I mean, they could have outscored them. They missed a lot of, they missed a lot of shots shots in the fourth quarter, and 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 makeable
3: shots, and makeable shots they missed. Look, look, look. I'm not mad or whatever. I ain't mad at them and stuff. We had a great season compared to where you know, like where it started and how it came from. That's what I'm saying. It was was 13th seed two months ago. I agree. So I mean, it's cool, you know. So I'm all right, but like. People act like it's the end of the world. And I'm like, what's wrong with some of these people? I'm like, what, what the- I-, I can't believe some of the dumb things I hear people say. It's just dumb stuff. And I'm like, it's a team game. People cry about it. It's a team game all the time. All the time. All the time. It's a team game. And all of a sudden, when you lose, it's like, eh, I don't know about the team game stuff. And I don't know. It's crazy, man. This team... Still have room to get better. We got money to spend. Oh, no question. We got some things to work with and stuff like that. And so Reeves really, I mean, he really over.
1: impressed this whole postseason.
3: He was really good. Who? Reeves. Yeah, but the thing is about it, though, we got to be smart and we have to keep Austin Reeves. We didn't let players develop before. Start turning the corner, let them walk out the door. Pieces you need going forward and stuff. So we have to make up our mind. Don't let nobody else overpay Austin Reeves. We got to step up to the front and say, look, okay, we got this, we got this for you, or whatever, whatever. Do you want to be a Laker? bomb right here on the table. You got to make sure you keep the guy going forward for the next crop of guys that come in when LeBron is gone and when AD or whatever goes. So we got to keep that. And I was talking about the Kyrie Irving thing. And like mm-hmm. I say, I don't have no problem with Kyrie Irving. The only time I want Kyrie Irving, if I know for sure you're coming in dedicated, and you know if somebody like him is dedicated and really, really, really want to win, well, you come in and you say, man, look, I'm not worried right about the max. I'll play for 15 mil. I don't want 35. I don't need 35. I got 300 mil already. I don't need 35. I'll play for 12. I want to win. This could be a dedicated season two getting back on track of winning. That's how you win. So if you come in and you want 35, I don't want no part of him like I told him. I'd rather go after Jalen Brown and he'll be a piece for the next era like that because he's still young. You, know, oh, yeah. like you don't talk want, about you don't ain't want gonna Kyrie. Fit. We already got another two guards. Yeah, but he'll be the next guy I'm talking about. So I don't want to sign an older guy that's not going to be dedicated. I agree. And, and really, you know, so like I say, if he's dedicated and you show me and you demand less money to come and you want to win, that lets me know you're true about it and you want to win. But other than that, if he wants this Mac stuff, this Super Mac, I don't want nothing to do with that. Nothing agree. at all. I, I agree. wanna win. We still I have agree. time to win with this team, so we can't blow it. I ain't up to listen. <laughs> I agree. Thanks. No, I mean we agree.
1: I, I I I'm 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 with everything um Rockefeller said. No, I um I don't know. I, I, I've been saying Denver's clear cut the best, and then man, I mean, like the Lakers, I think they played pretty well in this series. And Better than I kind of thought, especially last night. I mean, I they played way better than I thought they would last night. Like I really, maybe the Celtics will surprise me tonight. But I kind of think they're going to get their clocks clean. I mean, I just because it's not because I hate the Celtics. Just be, it's more out of respect for what the Heat are doing. I mean, they are just like I said. They're like a well. I'm not saying they're talented, man for man over other teams, but I don't know why. Anybody would think, that. why haven't they played, in our perception, just as good or better than the Nuggets have in the playoffs? Like, why? Because they kind of have. I mean, they, look look at, most people thought the East was better than the West this year. We all thought the East was going to be chalk. And look at who Miami has surgically dismembered. The team that was going to be everyone with the favorite going in, and and maybe the next favorite, like I mean, two of the top three favorites, the Bucks. I wonder what the Bucks' former coach is thinking right now. Second man, this Heat team is pretty good. They're playing pretty well, but I mean, I mean, I don't know. I'm just I'm just saying that what the Heat has done. Just very impressive, and so I'm just, I'm just second guessing what we've all, most of us have all been saying after watching what the Lakers did last night, and saying, did the Lakers really just play that much above their heads, or, or the Celtics just been that much of a choke artist? It's just kind of, I don't know, I I don't know that we're giving the Heat enough credit, is what I'm saying. All right, we'll take a timeout and be back.
0: This is Footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. This is Footnotes live from the Evco Development Studios in Upper Lafayette on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station.
1: Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foote on the game. The game hotline is 706 On this Tuesday, Astros last night, I didn't really know what to think. You know, Astros used to be in the same division as the Brewers back in the NL Central days before they got extorted to the American League. And they had just not played very well against the A's and struggled to beat a team that still only has 10 wins. Folks, I mean, we're not in June yet, but June is like next week. June is next week. And I think they only have 10 wins. We have, I don't know that Dawson and I, maybe we have had this discussion. The way I look at baseball is before the season starts, for 90-something percent of the teams at the history of the game, and we, and I'm saying all this because the A's this year might be the exception. Before the season starts, um, what do you have? 54 wins, 54 losses, and there's 54 games to decide how good you do. So if you win 108 games, to me, that's the equivalent of going, well, used to be 16-0 in the NFL that you you've basically had a 16 and 0 season because you've won you you have kind of you've won all the games you can win. If you do better than that then that I mean that's just like, you know. I don't even know how to explain that to the other sport. But to me 108 is in 54, that's a six that's an undefeated NFL season. That's the equivalent. Now you can't totally compare sports. I get it, but just as an analogy, as a parallel there. So if you win 54 games, you've gone 0 16. Or, you know, I know we play 17 now, but just, you know, 0 and 17, whatever you want to say. So, if, but they may not even win. Like, I don't know if they're going to win 54. Like, they only have 10 wins. And, I, and and they're trying to tell me that the Astros, you know, I didn't have anything to worry about. They put, and, and then, of course, last night they get beat 11 to 2. And then the Astros go to Milwaukee and win 12 to 2, which I don't ever really like to do that. Now, it's fun in the moment to see guys hit home runs. I mean, sometimes watching El Pedro Grande hit, sometimes it's kind of like. The reaction that people had watching Jokic just throw up three pointers and off balance and just make them like he was supposed to. I mean, it's just silly almost. I love when Jeff Bagwell is in the booth, and for whatever reason, I think it's because he's more than part of the organization now. I don't like. I-, I wish he'd be in the booth at least once a week. They're saying this is like the only time he's going to be in the booth all year. I think that's awful. And you don't have to agree with Bagwell. Like a lot of Astro fans right now are mad at Bagwell because he played supposedly a bigger a big role in bringing Abreu here. So I get that, um, that they're mad at him, but I still think he's hilarious to listen to. I love listening to him talk. But the Astros, to me, right now, are in a little bit of a pickle. Altuve did not play last night. I think it was just a day off. You know, he came back. He played in all the games. He did okay. I mean, he didn't do bad, but he didn't do good. He just did okay. But there's no way, I mean, even if you're the biggest Altuve fan out there, there's no way that you can tell me that the Astros right now are better playing Altuve and benching Dubon. They're just not. Like, Dubon is way better defensively. It's not even close. He's way better than Altuve defensively. Now, and Altuve's just getting into it offensively. And uh, and Dubon is is having this, again, I, I'd have never thought I'd say this at the beginning of the year, but the bottom line is he's had a good offensive season. He's a good player right now. Now, at, at I don't know how many – so I don't know how Dusty's going to handle that situation. That's why he's a Hall of Fame manager. He'll have to try to figure it out. Now, at some point during the season, if – they both can if he can figure out how both can get enough at bats which i'm sure he's just going to default to altuve and i get it because he's like the leader of the team and all this i get it um, at some point in this season altuve might actually be better than dubon <laughs> i don't even know what i'm saying but i mean it's, it's what we're watching it's where we are right now Like, at some point in the season, if especially if Altuve doesn't get off to a a slow start, which he typically does a lot of of his seasons. Because, again, a slow start for him, we're going to be in July. Like, if he really gets off to a – like, he's had bad first months before. So if he gets off to a bad first month, we're going to almost be in July, folks. So at what point – or the, is the team actually going to be better with Altuve starting than Dubon? Now, the whole leadership thing is part of it, too. I get that. But Dubon's not a leader, but he's very popular. I mean, like, this team seems to get along. Dubon is hilarious to me because he, lo- he still looks like he's, like, 13 years old when he has the smile of, you know, a, a young kid. Uh, you know, he's fun to watch, just like Altuve's fun to watch. Not for my daughter, but for most of us. Um, like, she just hates him. I mean, just, like, get that guy off my team is her mentality. But um, I'm just saying it's a pickle. Like, what do you do? You have arguably the most popular player in the history of the franchise, certainly in the top three or four. And the, and if right now you're playing him and you're volunteering to not be as good. Because I, for, for, for right now, there's no way you could argue that the team is better off playing Altuve than Dubon. Now, again, I don't know how that sliding scale is going to work. Like maybe a month from now, that's going to be different. But, I mean, a, that, a lot of that's going to depend on, you know, you get hot and cold and, and, and getting enough at bats for, for Dubon to even be able to make that judgment. It's just an interesting situation. Is, is the point of this. And I, I don't know how you handle that because, the, I mean, look, if, if you think Altuve is better than Dubon defensively, then you're just fooling yourself. You're just an Altuve fan and you're t- speaking with your heart. And that's fine. I mean, that's what fan is all about. And, again, I don't dislike Altuve, but I understand what he is. He's a medial – he's an average to slightly below average defensive second baseman. And Dubon has a lot more range and is a lot more sure-handed, And it's just really good defensively. And we knew that going in. But he's hitting. I don't know how he's done it because he's never hit before. But he's hitting. So I, I don't know what they're going to do with that situation. And I think it's fixing to be a really rough year for my daughter Riley because – Can't you just see McCormick, if the Astros make a trade, can't you see McCormick being part of this trade? Like, he's, I think McCormick's a good player. I I remember when he was on uh, the playoff, one of the World Series rosters, was that the year, I guess, the Braves World Series, or was it the Nash? He was on the roster, he didn't play a game. Like, he was just, and I'm like, who is this guy McCormick? Yeah. And, and now, yeah. I mean, he played a big role in winning the World Series. And I think he's a pretty good player. But all of a
2: sudden, Jake Myers decides, I'm a Major League Baseball player again. I, I, I do want to give you a little a little bit of a, I don't mean to, and look, I, I led the Mauricio Bond for MVP train at the beginning of the season. Um, but I know he's swinging the bat well as far as hitting for average, but he's still a pretty empty average hitter. That's true. And if he finished the season with what his OPS is right now, he's having a career offensive year, it would be the 10th best season in Jose Altuve's career as far as OPS. So I would still hesitate on the offensive impact that even if the average stays where it is, which I don't think it will, he's still not making as much of an offensive impact anywhere near what Jose Altuve can do in just an average Altuve season. I don't argue with you defensively, and some of the more complex metrics will show you that Altuve – um, has had better years and has had not great years defensively, but uh, I would just remember like Dubon's. He hits a he's lot of a singles. He's a singles hitter, no yeah. question.
1: Now, and he probably and he and he doesn't walk enough, but neither does Altuve. He doesn't walk enough either. I'm just saying, at some point, if Altuve gets really hot, he's you know he's his offense because he can drive the ball more than Dubon will make him better, make up for the fact that he's. You know, he, he's just a bonehead defensively sometimes. That's the only way to put it. I mean, he just is. He just, like, he just, I don't know. It's just like he has these spaz moments and, and he just does stupid stuff defensively. I I can't explain it. But um, at some point, it will. I'm just saying, how far into the season is that going to be? Now, Altuve doesn't always get off to a bad start offensively. And there's nothing wrong. That happens. That's baseball. But because he's starting so late, if he if he if he has a month where he's just not really hitting, then you're almost in July at that point. It's just an interesting scenario. I just can't believe what DuBon has done. I can't believe he's not an offensive liability because he's actually sparked and kept this team afloat. Um and if the outfield without Brantley was struggling, which it's really not like I thought it would be because McCormick's not great but he's okay and Myers is actually playing well right now. It's just an interesting situation. That this team might actually even with the injuries it might be deeper than I thought it was going to be before they get to the All-Star break. Very interesting. Fortunately, they have a manager who can figure it all out. I I I I am um, I believe in Dusty I have since day one. We'll take a timeout and be back.
0: This is Footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Tune in every weekday at 8.15 a.m. and 3.15 p.m. for the LSU Sports Update. Presented by Tibbs Trailers here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station.
1: Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foote on the game. So we've talked NBA. We've talked Astros. And there was a major story over the weekend that we didn't get to yesterday with all the softball talk. Jim Brown died. Uh, Was that Friday, maybe? Sometime, we got the word. When I first heard it, I was at, the softball game in Baton Rouge, I remember. Um, And he's obviously one of the best athletes of all time. Unlike a lot of, I don't need to tell too many people about who Jim Brown is and what he means. I mean, most people, if you're a sports fan at all, you've at least heard of him. Um, I've always been fascinated with trying to put into context. You know, the hardest thing... One of the hardest things about all of these sports discussions we've been having, even before there was sports talk radio, is trying to compare eras. And I always had the idea, you know, Jim Brown was like 6'2", 230 pounds, and he just looked like a man among boys. Because, look, we, we've all talked about it. Like, the Dolphins' undefeated team – From the early seventies, people say, "Well, they they couldn't. They would get dwarfed. Like they had offensive linemen that, you know, would be getting outweighed by forty and fifty pounds if they actually played that team and and played it against a team from today. So, I mean, this." The size of the people now are just so – of the athlete are just so much bigger because I don't know why. Some of it, I don't know what it is, but some of it is obviously the nutrition and the training and all of that stuff that those athletes just didn't have back then. I'm sure if you went back and looked at the – like if the Saints players from today, just saying Saints because we're here – saw the training facilities of the late 60s and 70s they would never come here as a free agent you know they would they would say no well that's a joke we're not I'm not coming here but so it's very hard to know but obviously I mean at face value Jim Brown was you know tremendous I mean he was you know he may he was a first team all pro 8 times he had 106 touchdowns he caught 20 touchdowns, and they didn't even throw to the running backs as much back then as they do now. Um, I always had this idea, like, what would he be today? Because he would be – we have this – some, and I agree. I don't know that I agree, but I'm saying I've, I'm in that camp. I've asked that question. It was almost like he was so far ahead of his time athletically. How would he be today – in today's sophisticated offense, against men his own size. Like, guys are, they, there are linebackers now that could actually run with him. Back then, I mean, those linebackers had no chance of running. I mean, they just, I don't know. It, it, it It's an interesting discussion that we'll never get an answer to. It's just an interesting discussion. But the other thing that, that fascinates me is when I look back into all this, Jim Brown was the, I love doing this stuff, Jim Brown was the sixth overall pick in the 1957 NFL draft. So, obviously, when I see that, the first thing that comes to my little mind is, okay, who were, the, who were the guys ahead of him? The first one was Paul Horning, who, again, he was a good, viable player. You say, well, he shouldn't have won the Heisman. Well, who cares? I, you know, probably he doesn't deserve the Heisman. But he only got it because he went to Notre Dame. I get that. Um But at least he was a good functional, good NFL player on a good team. He won Super Bowls. He won NFL championships. So you can't – obviously, he was not Jim Brown. Like, none of these guys are Jim Brown, okay, that I'm about to mention. But at least they were uh, viable. The, The one that I knew the least about was John Arquette. John Arnett, I'm sorry. John Arnett was the second overall pick that year. He was a running back out of USC, so he was a pretty boy um from that era and you know he made an all-pro team his second year in the league he was all pro he made a second team he he played in five Pro Bowls so was he a bad player no he wasn't a bus obviously he was nowhere near Jim Brown again none of these people were the third one is John Brody who was not great but a quarterback who played a he played a lot of good football another one was Ron Kramer who turned out to be uh a two-time uh, All-Pro, he and and he ended up playing tight end on a lot of the good Packer teams. So again, he was a really good player, not a bust. The fifth pick was Lynn Dawson, who you know ended up having a really good career as a as a quarterback, won a Super Bowl. All of these guys are good players, like none of them were like bust, but. None of them were, were Jim Brown. Now the eighth pick that year was Jim Parker, who some people you know say is the one of the best offensive linemen in NFL history. So and he was the eighth pick. Now we understand the racial like in today's era, Jim Brown would be the number one pick. I, I would think, although now we don't pick running backs. You know, put it this way: thirty years ago, Jim Brown would have been the number one pick in the draft because they'd, they there there not there weren't. I'm not saying there aren't. Racist, racial issues in teams, but people didn't not pick players because they were black, which is stupid to to um, limit your franchise for that. Um, And so, I don't know. It's just fascinating looking back at 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 the nineteen fifty seven draft, and at least those players were good. But I'm sure there were, you know, thirty and forty years ago, there were a lot of people that that root for these other teams and were like, man, we should have picked Jim Brown. Uh yes, you should. That one hour down, another hour to come. Stay tuned.
0: Broadcasting live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette. 2 hours of sports talk like none other. Footnotes with your host Kevin Foot.
1: Welcome. Back to Footnotes, Kevin Foot on the game. Castle on Stadium 32.3, 133 on LUS Fiber. Broadcasting live from the EFCO Development Studios in Upper Lafayette. EFCO Development is a civil construction company that specializes in new multifamily construction. If you would like to get in, this is the last segment to do so. We're going to be speaking a lot of softball this hour. Uh, Cajuns are in the Super Regional. We just had a regional in Baton Rouge between UL and LSU. Lots of discussion there, lots of controversy, lots of strong opinions, and we will be discussing that with Yvette Gerard in the next segment and then um, our weekly interview with Bobby Nova, talking different sides of all of that but um now um want to talk a little bit about college baseball the you know me i am not a postseason award i do not really like postseason awards i don't um, i've said many times years ago even at the professional level you know i used to analyze all of that and, write all these columns, oh, so-and-so should have been in the All-Star game or how is so-and-so. I mean, the, the whole MVP talk, I just think it's just – it's all silliness. Uh, and so the older I get, the less patience, respect, uh, stock I put in all of that. But I do think it's interesting uh, at a little bit to to see how – like these all-conference teams come out. Sometimes you'll wonder if they have a little bit against your school, and maybe sometimes you can draw some other conclusions out of it. Like, I always feel like in a lot of times, especially in baseball and softball, that the Cajuns get slighted a little bit, but maybe we could – Also view that is, you know, sometimes these coaches get more out of them than we think they are getting out of these players.
2: Yeah, I've got a little brief story about, like, postseason awards. And and a lot of times they're voted on by the coaches, right, especially when it comes to conference awards. Yes. uh, So at the high school level even, uh, my high school, it was like my – I think it was my junior year. I wasn't on the basketball team, but uh, a couple of close friends were. And we had a guy who was really good. It was his senior year. He was averaging like 20-something points a game. I mean, just having a great year. Led them to a district title. And when it came time for the postseason awards, he didn't win District Player of the Year. It went to some other player in the district, not even from the school. So the coach our, the coach in my school kind of went around to the coaches and was like, what's going on, guys? Like, this guy I had, he, he was unbelievable. And the, a couple of the other coaches said, yeah, but that other guy who dunked against us, we voted for him. And we, and our and the coach was like, what? And they were like, man, he's awesome. That dunk was so cool. And, like, they literally voted for a player because he dunked, and that split the vote up, and then another third guy ended up winning it. And it's like sometimes it's as silly as stuff like that. And, like, the award, you know, obviously it is what it was, but it would have meant a lot, and the kid earned it. But uh, some, some coaches voted for somebody because they dunked.
1: Look, and look, I've been in all district meetings, and some of it is not as political as we think, and some of it is. I mean, it, it, it's – all district teams are at the high school level. It's a whole almost a whole different animal. But, um, you know, sometimes you just don't like a coach or a player because a lot of old school coaches, if a player miles off to them, they're not going to vote for him. I mean, you know, uh, you know. so there's all that, – that goes on a lot more at the high school level. Um, the cage, Coach Glasgow made a big deal, and I think he – I think he made a big deal out of it to really motivate his team and get him hungry for the Sunbelt Conference tournament by making a big deal about the fact that they didn't get more, you know, a player on the first team, a pitcher on the first team, I should say. Uh, as dominant as they've been, I've always been a little surprised that the Cajuns don't get more first teamers in softball. On the baseball side this year, they didn't have any first teamers. And, some of that had to do, I, I think, with the fact that it was kind of a jumbled season for them. Uh, Heath Hood, to me, has had a great season. I don't know. I mean, I, I don't know how Heath Hood wasn't recognized personally. Um, I know he's kind of slumping late, but he was really good for a lot of the most of the season, and so I'm a little surprised. DeBarge got honored and I think he's really good. But he, you know, did have a little injury there and missed a little time. Um I think Julian Brock is really good. I I think he's excellent. I you know, I see a major I if if Julian Brock made the major leagues it would not surprise me at all. Like he's the one player on the C- Cajun team and coach um Coach Deggs keeps talking a lot about Max, more shocking that he has that ability. We'll see. I was I've been very impressed with how he's played defensively uh, in the infield this year. So I I see what he's talking about. But when I watch Julian Brock, I'm like, man, it will not I will not be surprised if that guy's in the major leagues. And and he's like the easiest kid to pull for if you've ever talked to him. You know, one of the easiest kids you're ever gonna have to pull for. Um, obviously their pitching is. Overall, at the top of the league, I mean, I haven't looked. If going into going into Sunday's game, I would say the Cages probably had the best pitching. Now they got lit up on Sunday, but so did Southern Miss's staff. I mean, on uh, Saturday, so did Southern Miss's staff. So, but individually, they probably didn't have anyone other than maybe a Cooper Rawls who was ten and one. But he he has a strange role that might be hard to kind of vote for on an all conference team kind of situation. Obviously, Carson Ro- Rockefeller is playing great right now, but he didn't have the year that he had last year. Now, you know, the great irony here is Carson Rockefeller had a fabulous season last year, but in the postseason, he was kind of banged up and was a shell of himself in the postseason. So even though he didn't have a better year, if the cages can get hot, he's actually going to be playing at a way higher level in the postseason this year, if they if they can win some games and and have an extended postseason, uh, than he did last year, because at the end of the year Carson Rockefort was a shell of himself. I mean he it's like he was swinging with one arm out there because of an injury. So you know things might they might actually be in better shape offensively if they can win and pitch. And I mean we all know you know you can hit well and lose twelve to ten. If your bullpen doesn't get it done, you know, they could they hit well other not in the first game. But in Southern Miss, they 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 hit well in both games, but they didn't win both games because they gave up so many runs in the other one. So just interesting to to, to look at that and see how um, I think the coaching staff did a pretty good job of getting this team with all the issues that it had here and there you know at the beginning that you know Carson wasn't hitting and um he wasn't the only one that wasn't hitting more wasn't hitting at all at the beginning of conference play and you know the pitchers didn't get it done and then you know for a while there you were one like are you going to have anybody who is going to start and then now, boom Carson Fluno 8 innings 4 hits 11 strikeouts against Arguably the best team in the whole league on the road. You're like, whoa, like where was this all year? And so I think the coaches have done a real good job of getting the team to where it is going into tomorrow's, the start of conference play. Well, conference tournament play starts today, but the Cajuns part of it starts tomorrow, tomorrow night uh, as the four seed against the five seed. So. You know, they started the weekend as the three seed and ended up the four seed. I don't know that there's a huge difference between those two. And I think when you look at the all-conference team and how little representation the Cajuns had, I don't know all the reasons for that. I think the coaching staff did a pretty good job of getting this team with all its issues to this point. And now, you know, you just have to hope you get the big hit and get the big out in the right time and be able to advance.
2: Yeah, numbers-wise, I think, look, also part of it is, like, Russo Park doesn't help out all conference numbers for hitters. Um, That's a
1: fair point. We've been talking a lot about that.
2: Because when I look at the outfielder, like, I had the same thought with Hood, but when I look at the outfielders who got it, they do all have better numbers than Hood does. So, But, again, coaches have to be able to factor that in Yeah, as well. Well, but they don't. You know what I mean? I, and I, I don't know. I, I think a lot of times – media is certainly in a better position to vote on these things than coaches just because coaches aren't worried about it you know um, but then again sometimes with media it's it's not the best situation either but yeah like I don't I don't I don't have I mean the guy the only one you, you, I think you make an argument for is Graham Brown from coastal his average isn't very high but he hit like 14 15 homers and driven almost drove in almost 60 runs and hood's nowhere near those those numbers either so but yeah no it's 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 uh it's a difficult thing to kind of judge all the time because obviously coastal's ballpark and Texas State's ballpark are a lot more conducive to offense yeah. than Russo Park is.
1: can only imagine if Carson would have played there last year, the year he had, what his numbers would have been. I, and again, part of what you're talking about is one of many reasons why I think postseason awards are just silly. I mean, I, I understand why they do it. And some, it's very important to some people, but... Um, there's so many and that, and all, it's as silly as trying to figure out like this guy's the best team in the league or this guy's the best of all time. I mean, it's just so many, there's so many factors that play into all that, that the older I get, the more I realize that and the sillier, all that becomes to me. But, um, that's why I just like, let, let, let's just try to win the trophy. I mean, look, let, and again, uh, th- there was a, there was a, um, I've made I made this point many times over the years, but there was one of these little tr- – there was some sort of little online deal on Twitter where somebody ranked the best Super Bowl or the be- – had the Saints ranked as the, the Super Bowl team of 2009 as the best team in the last 20 – or the third best team in like the last 20 years or whatever the time span was. And they asked the reaction, and my reaction was – like what teams are better than those? And I said the two eleven, the twenty eleven Saints. The twenty eleven Saints would beat the Super Bowl team by double digits. But you know, it just they didn't win. So you know, it's it's. Let's just focus on who knows who the best teams are, who knows who the best players are. Just try to win the trophy. That's the only thing concrete we can get. They won the trophy. Now, you can say they cheated or, you, you know, we can say all kind of stuff. They won the trophy because we don't know anything. All that other stuff is just silliness.
2: Uh, just wanted to keep – I know LSU fans uh, monitoring – South Carolina, Georgia. It's two nothing. South Carolina. That game started at nine thirty. So again, LSU will play the winner of that. It'll replace footnotes tomorrow. That'll be on instead of us at nine thirty.
1: Uh kind of think South Carolina is going to win. I mean,
2: yeah. Well, in that you you're talking about this game they're playing right yeah. now. Yeah, They're up two nothing in the bottom of the third and uh, or top of the third. Bottom, not sure. Um, looks like bottom, but uh, they they've looked. I've watched a little bit of it here and there. Or been checking it and they've they look like they're locked in a little bit
1: now again south carolina early on was looking very scary i mean i i thought the i thought lsu got a little bit of a break in that their third game didn't take place because it wouldn't have surprised me at all if south carolina would have won that third game hadn't played as well of late and georgia just sneaked in at the very end so i I think south carolina is going to win and that'll make for an interesting first game before we get to it, well, we don't have time to do this. Let's do this at the at the last segment because I want to go into get your opinion on if you were coaching, how seriously would you take these conference tournaments? I just, if I'm LSU, I just, why are we doing like, I don't know. Maybe you have issues and you want to go try to fix them, but I don't know if the conference tournaments the place to do that. I, it just seems like. If you're an LSU's baseballs, like they just get in the way. But maybe, maybe LSU has all, all never really thought that in the past. They have always taken it seriously. All right, we got to take a timeout. We'll get to a veteran next. Stay tuned.
0: This is Footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. A recent survey discovered that game listeners prefer our station than going to the dentist. Take that, dental hygiene. This is The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station.
1: Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foote on the game we have with us. An old friend miss Yvette Gerard how are you I'm good Kevin
4: imagine that you talked too long in the last segment (laughs)
1: I've had a problem with that my teachers started telling me that in about the third grade you know you talk too much um maybe God knew what he was doing get me in this business but anyway First of all, I've got to ask you, does it get easier for you to be in these UL-LSU situations all these years, or is it still just as kind of uncomfortable? How have you dealt with that all these years?
4: You know, certainly it's a lot better for me because I'm not on the field. So, um, it's still, though, a little stressful. And uh, You saw me. One day I wore blue. The other day I wore white. So, you know, I'm Switzerland. I'm neutral. And but I have to sit on my hands because when I see a great defensive play, which, you know, I love defense, I want to stand up and clap. And But I can't because if it's the Cajuns, the Tigers are going to say, oh, why is she pulling for them? If it's the Tigers, the Cajuns. So, you know, sometimes I can't win for losing. Sometimes I, I think I should just stay home. But it's fun being in the atmosphere.
1: Right. And I'm sure, well, I know, you have a lot of friends in both camps and so you hear them and you know a lot of them hate the other side and yet you hate you like the other side so it's just got to be strange
4: it you know and i i defend both sides you know i'm i'm the luckiest girl around i'm in i'm in both hall of fame that's incredible to me you know that 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 happened but um you know when the Cajun fans complain about the Tigers I say you know they do the same thing about y'all so I told I tell both sides okay you got a problem come come get me I'll go talk to whoever but you know it's a game but it's people are so passionate about it and of course the rivalry will always be there and um you know it's it's weird it's weird you know cuz I bo- I want both teams to win so and I always feel sorry for the other team because, you know, it's it's God. It, it was an epic battle on Sunday, but I thought when it went to the if game that it was definitely the Cajuns' favor because it, that usually happens. The momentum just bam switches, and you know I I will say about this about the Tiger fans. They'll probably get mad at me, but I don't care because I've said it a million times. They're reactive. They sit on their hands and wait for their teams to do stuff, except football. But the rest of the sports, you know, basketball, women's basketball, of course they did so well. It's a little bit different. But the Cajun fans are so proactive. They're into it from the first pitch, you know, and they cheer. My my niece was with me, and she said, Nanny, it's just so different. You know, we, we cheered so much in Lafayette, and she said, and they act like, you know, they cheer when only when something good happens here. And I said, yep, that's them, proactive and reactive. It's so definitely different.
1: I, I, I don't want to put you on the spot because I don't know what the answer to this question. I've had people come up to me and were disappointed that there weren't more LSU fans. Are, are, are people just getting tired of these two teams meeting, or how would you describe all that?
4: You know, I, I thought the same thing myself, and I kind of shook my head, and I said, you know, there's more red and white here. Definitely on Saturday. I I don't know about Sunday, but, you know, everybody wants to know why all those seats are empty behind home plate. Well, they're sold. But it's the the elderly people, the same people that have the tickets at football. Well, they might go to football. I don't know. Basketball, men's basketball, baseball, softball. They buy those tickets because they get their points for football, you know, uh, postseason and everything. And they don't go to the game. They do it in all these sports, and it looks terrible on TV. And they will not give up those seats. So I don't know what the answer to that is. You know, it it looks terrible on TV, but, you know, conference play, you look around, and the stadium's full except for right there. But those seats are sold. They just don't show up, and it's not just for softball. I think maybe – that, you know, they tied tired of the rivalry. I think LSU's been so helter-skelter this season. I mean, you know, uh, they. I would have never dreamed they could win that Georgia series. I call that series, and I never thought they'd win two out of three. I was shocked. But they played awesome. And then the next week, they played like the Bad News Bears against Ole Miss in the tournament. So I think it's kind of been that way that you never know what you're going to get. So I don't know. I, I don't, I'm i not quite sure it was hot as you know what. And um, I don't know. I think – and I just shake my head sometimes, too. They're they're so foiled. You know, somebody came up to me and said, well, now that women's basketball has won a national championship, that's what I expect all the time. I want national championships. And I just looked at them like they <laughs> yes. were from Mars. Yes. You know, I said, first of all, it's so dang hard – to get to Oklahoma City, because everything has to go right, and you you expect national championships in every sport now. Get a grip!
1: <laughs> Absolutely. All right. So before I get into the whole regional setup and how they do everything, I want, and I'm not talking about just you know Beth and Sydney on Sunday. A lot of people in the McNeese was complaining that they kept their pitcher too long from a coach's perspective. Um, talk about the pros and cons and how difficult that a decision it is from a coach. Like, do you leave the pitcher in or do you take the pitcher out? When do you kind of like judge, well, maybe they're running out of gas. Or when do I trust the, the senior, the different decisions there?
4: You know, I say it all the time when I'm broadcasting, well, I guess that's why I'm not the coach anymore. But I think in Beth's case, And I think this is true of all coaches that were pitchers, they are so faithful and loyal to their pitchers that they'll just leave them out there. I think those of us that didn't pitch are so much faster with the hook. And um, I, I, you know, I wasn't, I don't know why Kilponen didn't come in. I know that she has been, uh, you know, the, the Cajuns hit a home run when she came in in relief, but I'm not sure they had ever beaten her. So that was kind of strange, but Hey, who knows? Maybe she had a back injury. You know, we don't know things. Uh, Maybe something was wrong with her. I thought something was wrong with Burzon for the last three weeks. She had tape on her finger and, you know, I didn't think she looked as effective She certainly was, all credit to the Cajuns, but she was a bad matchup for the guy behind the plate because she couldn't get that drop ball strike anymore. And the Cajuns made an extreme adjustment because they were swinging, you know, she was getting them to strike out with balls in the dirt. Maybe they just saw her too much, but not taking anything away from the Cajuns. They made an incredible adjustment, their hitters came to play, they were warriors, Defense, oh, my God, was outstanding, that play by Kosselnick, uh you know, in foul territory for the second out. But um, I think Jerry, you know, he – I coach by my gut. I was before – you know, I retired before all the analytics and all that stuff, and um, I just coached by my gut, you know, what I felt. And I kind of think he does that because – he leaves me perplexed a lot of times too, but golly, did he ever dial up the right moves when he took people off the bench for pinch hitters there, you know, I, I shake my head a little bit on defense, but you know, you can't, you can't question him. It's working, but, got a feeling he coaches with
1: his gut oh no he 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 he, he definitely does and i'm telling you I, he yep. anguishes over every decision i know he takes a lot of criticism because he makes so many decisions and i did a column yep. in today's paper and and online at the advocate.com that talks about that like i don't think people he anguishes over he doesn't do yep. stuff this spurred a moment he really does all right so beth made a big deal and i don't disagree with her I think a lot of people had this idea that they see number two seeds, and I always tell people every year they don't do that. It's geographical for the most part, and and she wants to be uh, lead the crusade. I think co- if there was any chance of that, I think COVID probably postponed it. But is there any chance that they're going to see number two seeds, or is it too cost preventive That's That question for me. That it it's not as regional. I yeah,
4: agree. exactly. Exactly. And I said it the minute it came out. I was like, "Eh, this is sad because they will never get to the Women's College World Series together. Imagine that. And imagine if, well, McNeese would have been sent to Lafayette. Imagine that. Uh, But, um, you know, it's sad sad for the state of Louisiana because what a statement that would make. Because both programs, and I've said... For 30 years, Raging Cajun softball could play in the FCC, They could play in the Pac-12. They're that good. But you know, this is a joke. They, it, it's we've played each other more than any programs in the country. I said it immediately. It's old, and if if the NCAA, what a joke, um, is all about the student athlete experience. Well, what? Experiences that that you have to keep playing each other, and you go sixty miles down the road. So, and I would have said that if the Tigers would have won, you know, I'm over
1: it. I, I I think the way that it could happen. I mean, it can happen where they both get it, but they're gonna at least one of them's gonna have to do it on the road. They're never. It seems like they're never gonna yeah. let them because, like last no. year, they were both on the road. So theoretically, right, it could have happened, it. but it's very difficult to do on the road, especially a long well, way from home
4: absolutely and let's face it they weren't as good as they are this year so you know um when they have their it seems like when they have some of their best teams it's when they have to play against each other but um you know it's this it's all about money still all about money but you know uh women's sports are really pushing the issue of Equality, you know women's basketball, their dressing rooms, all that stuff you know wasn't equal and then and, and how they you know god the w- college World Series didn't have bathrooms in those dang dugouts for years, you know, yeah, you' play a thirteen inning game and you're running down the line to go to the porta potty. How ridiculous is that, but I think um. I think, you know, and I'm I'm out of the loop. You know, it's 12 years. I don't know what they're thinking anymore. It's just like the committee. People ask me that all the time. The dang committee changes. And so you don't know what they want. Uh, now they said it was top ten wins. Well, I had a team here that was uh, phenomenal. We beat Monica Abbott on a weekend against Tennessee twice. And then... Midweek, which was our last game, we went to Southeast and I pitched our number three and we lost one to nothing. Well, they sent us on the road because they said that, that loss was a bad loss. We just beat Monica Abbott, one of the best pitchers in the world, you know, three days before. So, right. you know, then, then it was about bad losses. Now it's about good wins. I mean, I, they need to tell the coaches exactly what it is that they want.
1: Well, it's, it's it's creative accounting. All right, so we're running out of time, but I have one more question. What, we have a, a mutual friend who's told me for years that if you go two time zones away, that means a loss. And so what is your – and I don't know that I totally agree with that, but I somewhat of do – like what what has been your experience traveling from the central time zone and playing a really good team in the you know, on the Pacific Ocean or up in Asia as yeah. I call Seattle. Is that a bigger disadvantage or what has been your experience there?
4: You know, um it's not helpful and good God, we're playing at what, nine o'clock at night? Yeah. Of course that only bothers us old people. Those yeah. kids probably that's no big deal to them probably. But um you know, well, we weren't two time zones away, but we when the first time at Michigan, um it it it's You know, certainly advantageous for Washington, but I don't think that it credits a loss. And I just pulled up Washington stats and, you know, God, our offensive numbers are just blows them away. And you could say, well, they play in a Pac 12. Well, the Pac 12, yes, is probably better than the Sun Belt, but it's not what it used to be. So, but are you going, Kevin?
1: I I am not. We have decided not to. Too bad. Yes too
4: bad, but the fans that do get to go, oh my God, I hope the weather's beautiful because that stadium overlooks Mount Rainier, the football stadium is sitting i'm telling you in right field, you look up and you're like, oh my God there's a the football stadium with the stands right there so and of course Seattle is a we've played there a couple of times, and Seattle is a beautiful city, but i hope uh I hope the weather's beautiful because it what a great trip.
1: All right, I appreciate your time as always. Thank you very much. Okay, go Cajuns.
0: This is Footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. This is Footnotes. Live from the Evco Development Studios in Upper Lafayette on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station.
1: Welcome back to Footnotes, Kevin Foote on the game. We have with us our weekly conversation with Mr. Bobby Nova. How are you, sir? I'm pretty good, Kevin. How are you? Oh, I'm doing okay. Um, We just had an interesting conversation with uh, Yvette, and I want to look, talk about it, look at it from a little different perspective before we get on to Washington as far as the LSU. You know, finally beating LSU in a Baton Rouge Regional, had been a while. It's the fourth time they've done it, but it had been a while since the Cajuns were able to do that. And finally getting over that hump, how worried are you now, especially that McNeese didn't win like it looked like they were going to, that, I mean, at some point, you have to, It's such a, it was such a thrilling, a big moment for the program and for Coach Glasgow and all the players and a big accomplishment. At some point, you got to put that behind you and get just as hungry to beat Washington, which is easier said than done, I think.
5: Much easier said than done. I mean, uh, you know, uh, they gave the kids a day off yesterday, so, you know, I guess they had the opportunity to kind of, you know, continue that little celebration and uh, get that behind them, and today they get back to work, you know. Uh, I'm pretty sure they're going to get some practice time in in the morning and then take a break and then come back later this afternoon and practice some more. And uh, Yeah, it's time to get back to work and um, celebration's over because, to, you know
1: you got more work to do. Because the players aren't that different than most of us mentally. They went to we're playing McNeese at home when the score was six to nothing. I mean, it's it's human nature to think that if you're up six to nothing in the last inning, you're going to win. And I think a lot of us were mentally the, the super regional is going to be at Lamson, and then and yeah, then and the, you know then it didn't then it wasn't.
5: Yeah, you know, in the parking lot, we we were all there, and and I mean, you you, you saw what was going on, and uh, the celebration. You you just win a regional, and then you you also kind of celebrating the fact that you you you're pretty sure you're going to host the, you know, you're going to get to be at home for super regionals because I think the team was told after the game that uh, you know if McNeese won that uh, the regional the super regional was going to be here in Lafayette. And, so, you know, kind of a double, double celebration there for about 45 minutes or so, and then, you know, a little bit of a disappointment there when when uh, Washington was able to come back and win, but kind of what you expected you were going to have to do if you wanted to laugh at the Baton
1: Rouge region anyway. So, right uh, here we go, you know. All right, so I don't know how much you've been able to learn. I, I've i got to tell you, i you can look at a team schedule and a game-by-game, game, and I did that yesterday. And the McNeese, you know, it was incredible how McNeese performed against them because other than the McNeese games and the McNeese played great against them, I didn't see a lot of other things that say, oh, you see, I mean, they're not as good as what their record shows or their seeding shows. I mean, they they you know, they, they beat San Diego State you know, what, 5 nothing. I mean, they look like a good team, but something about the matchup with McNeese was very favorable to the Cowgirls, and I don't know how that relates to the Cajuns.
5: Yeah, I'm not sure about that either, but but if anybody out there is thinking that Washington's not very good, you're fooling yourself because they are very good. They play, you know, they play in the Pac-12. It's a tough conference, and, you know, they play a really, really good schedule, and I, I'm not sure why McNeese had so much success against them. McNeese beat them in the regular season and then, uh, you know, beat them one to nothing. And then, of course, that that seven to six loss. But uh, you better get ready to go over there and play, you know, your A game if you're going to have a chance to advance to the World Series.
1: You've seen McNeese play a lot. They played against the Cajuns three times this year, and their pitchers are good. But look, I mean, those two pitchers, almost every inning except for one, they put up zeros against Washington. I mean, it, I mean, almost they beat them three to two, and then they shut them out, and then they had them shut out for six innings. Like, how would you compare the Cajuns pitchers to those pitchers in, in terms of what the matchup there?
5: Well, Kevin, I mean, we, you know, we played McNeese. I think we played him three times this year, and you know, uh, from what I remember, they were never really in any of those ball games. No, Cajun hitters, Cajun had a lot of success against uh, uh, Vallejo and and the other kid and, and Tate. Uh, I can't remember her, her name, but uh, Tate. Uh, you know, and and early success, and those those three games against the Cajuns were pretty much decided early. I know two of the three for sure. We decided early, and I, you know, again, I have no idea why McNeese had so much success against Washington. I don't know if Washington was overlooking them, or, you know, who knows? Uh, you know, once you get on the field, you know, you don't know what's going to happen. And so, um, uh, hopefully, the Cajuns can have the same kind of success against the Washington pitchers that McNeese did.
1: Super regional challenge is different than a regional challenge and one of the things that concerns me is that look I, I thought most of the last two years the best pitcher for the best starting pitcher for the Cajuns was Megan Shorman she didn't pitch great in the Sunbelt Conference Tournament and she didn't pitch great in the regional uh, is you know seemed like if they're going to do this they're going to need her to pitch at her best which at her best, she's really, really good. Is there anything to be concerned about there, from what you can see?
5: I, um, I mean, uh, nothing physical that I know about, and you know, she just uh, just having some trouble a little bit finding the strike zone, and it's going to take just like last weekend. It's going to take that entire pitching staff, in my opinion, to go to Washington and win that super regional, and she's going to be a very important part of that if the Cages do advance to the College World Series, and. I mean, she's a mentally strong, tough kid, and I think, you know, in Coach Groves' show, I'm sure they're going to, you know, watch some film and figure some things out, and they're going to get it right for this weekend, you know?
1: Were you, I mean, you don't get surprised by a whole lot because you hear some of the thought processes, you know, here and there and meetings and just casual conversation. You know, if at, at midseason, I would have been surprised at how little Chloe Riosetto pitched the second half of the season because she pitched a fair amount early on. And then because of that, it because she didn't pitch as much the second half uh, and in conference play and down the stretch, I was kind of thinking she wouldn't play the huge role that she did. Were you at all surprised by that in the region? It,
5: it, it didn't surprise me in the region, Kevin, because LSU, out of their nine uh, starters, on offense, eight of them were left handers and, and Chloe's really, really good against left handed hitters. We've seen that when she's had opportunities to pitch. I saw it throughout the fall. The uh you know, she would dominate our, our left handed hitters in the fall scrimmages and um you know, so it didn't surprise me that they you know, they trusted her and, and gave her that opportunity because like I said, eight of the nine hitters in that L S U lineup were left handers and she had she had good success against them like she has against left-handers all year long.
1: Well, and what about Washington? Do you know that? Cause I don't, how many left-handed so I hitters? Yeah. I did
5: not really, I hadn't looked, I kind of looked at their stats and that, you know, they, they, their, their top three power hitters, uh, hit one, two and three in the lineup. Their best player, her name escapes me, but she's, you know, she's an all American. She, she has, uh, 12 home runs, she's their leading hitter batting average-wise. Her OPS is well over 1,100, and she leads the team in RBIs. She's really, really good. And then I think she has 12 home runs. The uh, the two-hole hitter has eight, and the three-hole hitter has 11. And then they have a kid that's really, you know, uh, uh, she's really fast. She, she bats at the, the bottom of the lineup. She has 26 RBIs. But I didn't look and see her. You know, if they were right-handed, a left-handed. Yeah, left we'll, we'll 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 look at more that of that as yet. the
1: as the season as the uh, week goes on. Well, look, sir. As always, we appreciate your time. Thank you very much.
5: Thank you, Kevin. Are we going to see you in Seattle?
1: We will, You will not. Okay, Kevin. All right. All right.
5: We'll see you soon, though.
0: This is Footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Are you fluent in Footlish? Not to worry. We're here to help with the Footlish Dictionary. The Lil' MVPs the little mvps now a major league baseball team that struggles to win games despite having multiple mvp winners on its roster also known as the los angeles angels now back to the man with his very own language kevin foot and footnotes on the game 1037 lafayette and 1041 lake charles southwest louisiana's sports station
1: Welcome back to Footnotes, Kevin Foot on the game. You know, Washington for such a prominent program, it's because they they play in Asia, I would think. You know, Coach Coach Glasgow, almost anybody they've ever played that I've asked them about, like he's seen them play a lot. He's been to their stadium, and he said yesterday he's never been to their stadium um, before. Uh, He's seen them play on TV, but he didn't seem to know as much about them as he does most other opponents before they even play them. And um, so we'll see how we'll learn more about Washington as we go on through the week. But I, but I was bringing up uh, before we interviewed Yvette and Bobby the idea of how to treat conference tournaments. And so, I mean, Dawson, are you a big – they ought to take them seriously or not a big – I'll, they ought to take him real seriously.
2: Well, this is completely dependent on the conference and the team, right? Right. I think, uh, of course, the cages. Cage have to, it to. It's everything. Seriously, yeah. Um, for LSU, I, I would treat it as working on the things that you need to get better for the regional. And if I look, if this like if you're Wake Forest in the ACC, I don't know if I'm paying all that much attention. The results are going to be the results. I just want to be playing well. Um, I would like the idea of not taxing my bullpen very much and not throwing guys more than I want to throw them. So from that perspective, I, I that's where I would be with that. But if you're not a team that's like firing on all cylinders, which LSU certainly isn't in the bullpen, I would be using these games to try to get in, something going, try and get a couple. If you can just find maybe Money has a couple of good innings and he's feeling good about himself heading into regional, something to give you momentum in the areas that you're really struggling, that's where I would use it the most. Like offensively, I if the if LSU somehow loses four to two and they don't swing the bats well, I wouldn't be concerned about it because you know your offense is good and you know your offense is going to be good.
1: And does it really matter? Well first of all, who in the world if and I know people probably and coaches probably don't think this way, but who in the world wants to be the number one overall baseball seed? I'm like it's been twenty years since they won. So that put that aside that issue aside but does it really matter if you're the two seed, the three seed, the four seed, or the
2: five seed? I don't know that that matters. I don't think so. Because, again, I mean, what do you project? Now, maybe you play a team that's not quite as good in the Supers. But, but you again, won't know who really. that is anyway. Yeah. And, and especially in baseball, it's not. In softball, you can look a little bit more chalky just because, right, again, like 13, 14, 15 national seeds win every year. That's just what it is. In baseball, it's, it's, it's less than that. It's still a lot. But the other thing, too, as long as you're. It depends too, if you have something to play for as far as your your positioning. I think they're a national seat. If they go 0 and 2 in this tournament, and some other things happen, maybe they fall to nine or ten, and you lose out on that national seat thing. But I don't think so. I still think, yeah, with the resume they have, they're probably in the top eight regardless. So in that perspective, again, if I'm coaching LSU, if I'm Jay Johnson, my only goal in this tournament is to try to feel better about the areas that they're deficient right now, and that's you know pretty much the bullpen. So it's just,
1: I don't know, it's, I've always been so kind of, like, it's so interesting to me. It's like you have all these great teams, and you're playing for the SEC championships, which theoretically means a lot. And yet, to these teams, does it really mean hardly anything? It's like, it's just got to be
2: a weird atmosphere to watch the game you know into animal and I think it's changed because I don't know I remember a lot of buzz around Hoover and and there still is to an extent but yeah it's not what it and the other thing too is like someone's going to get there to the title game and then they're going to win it and they're going to be feeling good like it's not like even if nobody cares somebody will care enough to win the tournament so like and you're still going
1: to pile probably
2: yeah I mean it's it's it is and again I think LSU like coach Maneri obviously put a lot of emphasis on it and then that's something that they clung to. And, look, some years it helped them out and they, or seemingly helped them out and they went on runs. And other years, you felt like, man, maybe they used too much pitching or too much gas in that tournament. I don't know if there's a right or wrong answer there. But, yeah, it's, it's definitely weird now because, again, I mean, 10 teams already are in the tournament in the SEC and maybe 11 or 12. Like, it's not like they're fighting yeah. for bids.
1: Is South Carolina still leading like we
2: – Last I checked, is still 2 nothing.
1: And, again – unless something really unexpected happens the plan is LSU will be playing tomorrow we will not have a show tomorrow it's and now five nothing five nothing yes South Carolina and so that probably means that Cajun I mean that LSU will play South Carolina tomorrow we will not have a show TBA for Thursday depending on what LSU does y'all have a nice day